Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Standing on My Soapbox, the daily rant and radio show. We talk about all of the good, bad, and the ugly of current events. Join your host, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. You, our listeners, are invited to call in and stand on our soapbox with us. Call 347-989-0126 between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That's 347-989-0126. Now, here are your host and creator, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. Well, thank you, Katie. Welcome, everyone, to Standing on My Soapbox. I am your host, Scott Fullerton, and in just a bit, we'll be joined by my esteemed co-host from a top-secret, undisclosed location. Actor and writer, Mr. Craig Hurley, is on the road today. It is Tuesday, April 23rd, 2019, and we welcome you to another great day of talk radio where we kick it off with an hour of ranting, raving, and reviewing about the day in news, politics, and pop culture. It's also about whatever's on your mind, so give us a call at 347-989-0126. That's 347-989-0126. So stand up on my soapbox. Let's get this show rolling. Mr. Craig Hurley, how the heck are you? I am doing very well, sir. How are you? Good. Are you safe and secure in your top secret uh, bunker and location there? <laughs> well, I, I am in a top secret location, but uh, um, safe and secure? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. What day are we in in the national emergency? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm, we're I'm day 69 or something. I just like the number 69. <laughs> we'll stick to that. Day sixty nine. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm 69. I'm uh, I'm hanging out and and it's actually uh, a really nice day where I am. Um, it's oh, good. Like uh, almost... Listeners were wondering yesterday how you guys made it through the hailstorm. We hit you guys got oh, yeah. down by a hailstorm in the middle of the day. Yeah. No. We uh, we yeah we got pummeled by some hail and and uh, actually a truck got dented. Um, but, uh, while we were, while we were driving and then I tried to pull over and right when I pulled over, it, like lightning strike happened. You were talking to Katie and the lightning strike happened like not even a quarter mile away from us. And I'm like, okay, oh, I'm not pulling over here. <laughs> so I just <laughs> continued to drive. Um, and then, and then the storm cleared. So it actually, the storm went through pretty fast. You guys didn't get nailed by any of that? You know what? We did this morning. It was really weird. My right. phone totally lied to me. My phone said it was going to be clear all day, but it was very dark. There was dark clouds flying through. And then at around, and it was fun. It was funny because it was warm when I went outside this morning and the high is supposed to be 70 today. So got the paper and then around eh, 10 o'clock, 10, 15, all of a sudden we get, Little like dime-sized hailstones, which I don't know how yep. in 68 degree weather we got dime-sized hailstones. But we got that for about 30 seconds, and then we had some thunder and well, lightning hail, for about 20 from, minutes, and that was hail, it. Hail, hail comes from a supercell. Um, uh, a, a supercell thunderstorm can produce tornadoes, and normally hail and tornadoes coincide. Um, uh, the storm that we went through yesterday, uh, when we got pummeled and that's most likely the same storm that you got hit with this morning. Uh, uh, they, uh, the, the, 
the top of the supercell thunderstorm is at somewhere around 30,000 feet. And they can go up higher than that. Um, they actually can go to the 50,000 foot level where there is no more oxygen. Um, but normally they're at about 30,000 feet. And at 30,000 feet, you're looking at temperatures that are way below freezing. You know, you're, you're looking at, you're, they're way below zero. You're, you're sometimes looking at minus 150 degrees up there and it, it can be worse than that. It can be like a minus 170. So uh, what happens is the precipitation that forms up there in, in the form of rain, um, in, you know, a form of rain droplets, uh, freezes. So, cause it actually gets pushed up. Uh, a supercell thunderstorm will drag, will drag uh, it, it, at the front of the supercell thunderstorm. It's actually dragging um, uh, air and wind and really warm air usually because like you just said it's 68 degrees right so on the right. surface it's dragging that surface wind up into the thunderstorm and so all of that um, combined uh, freezes and then on its way down it doesn't melt because it's gotten together that all those molecules have joined together all the water molecules have joined together and created uh, ice. So that's why you'll see hail when it's a really nice day, you know, when it's, when it's a really warm day, because it's it, all that, all that precipitation is being driven up to, you know, minus 150 degrees and freezing and then dropping. So, um, so that's why you probably experienced that, that hail today. I'm surprised you didn't, you, you didn't get any like, Heavy winds with that as well. You should have. Not as not super heavy winds. We got some thunder and lightning, and like I said, it went through fast right. enough. So I'm sure the winds were up on high, but didn't hit too much down below. Um, just right. just little thunder and lightning and some heavy rain for a very short time. Not enough like it did the other day when it had flash flooding, but just a little, right. real right. small bit of heavy rain, and it went through very very quickly. But it wasn't as powerful yeah. as the one that hit last Sunday. Uh, currently, um, and all of our listeners in Texas, uh, San Antonio, uh, you guys look out. Um, you guys have some major supercell thunderstorms that are popping up. And it'll be all throughout the Mississippi Valley. And then tomorrow, um, Ohio Valley, you guys got to watch out. So, Because we've got these low-pressure systems that are literally just forming out of nothing. And that's part of climate change. Um, and they are, uh, all becoming extremely powerful and even in a very, very, very short time period, they're, they're becoming extremely powerful and kicking up, you know, once again, we're going to have tornadoes all day in the Mississippi Valley and, and down through Texas and Louisiana, you got to watch out again, um, I, I, I found it very interesting that because I've been talking shit about the weather channel and how, you know, all these weathermen are just a joke um, and not specifically the weather channel, because they seem to be the 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 most um, educated uh, as far as weather is concerned. Uh, but everybody else. Uh, uh, you know, like I, I talk shit about skilling on WGN in, in Chicago. That dude's been wrong 70% of the time for the last 40 years. 
Um, so I, you know, I, I, they, they really don't know what they're talking about. And, but the people on the weather channel, I don't know if they're listening to our podcast, uh, or what, but they have shifted. Um, they are now fully concentrating on climate change. Um, really? they are, yeah. Um, they, you watch, just turn it on right now and you'll see, uh, that they will put out, uh, I think Kate Parker is one of the weather. Do I have her name right? I, I don't know. Um, but, uh, she's, she's one of the main focus on, on this climate change. And, uh, and it's, it's really, really interesting. Uh, if you go to the weather channels websites right now, um, they are, they've put out a whole bunch of videos and a whole bunch of information on how our planet has changed over the past 50 years. And it is because of industrial pollution that we caused this problem. We currently have 410 parts per million um, CO2 in our atmosphere. And it hasn't been that high in 65 million years. So uh, since the extinction, yes, since the extinction of the dinosaurs. So, and that was 65 million years ago. Um, We have caused some major, major damage in the past hundred years. Over the past 50 years, uh, they've, uh, they, they show, uh, if you look at, at the Weather Channel, and, and they, they've got a whole list of stuff. Um, currently, uh, we're having a mass extinction. Uh, it's, it's just that humans procrastinate, and when we do that, uh, it, it, it'll literally just smack us upside the head. Um, where where we, we don't notice it because it's a gradual change. Um, it, it's not like we have an ice age right now. Uh, we don't. So people are, you know, going, oh, it's, it's not going to happen. And when really we are currently going through a mass extinction event, um, the, uh, there have been uh, over just the past year, we have lost as far as animals are concerned. It, it's something like it, it's gone up. 10,000 percent in in the past we would lose like four animals every year you know we would find that they grew extinct or or um uh animals or uh uh amphibians uh just any any type of of you know what oh species i'm sorry yeah katie's whispering in my ear the word is species (laughs) craig um so uh yeah we've we've lo- usually we lose four species a year and currently more like four a day so um it's it's and it's a gradual thing it's something that we don't notice until like all of our birds are gone and all of our tigers are gone and all of our elephants are gone and all of our lions are gone and all of our whales are gone and all of our dolphins are gone. We won't notice it until it actually happens. But we can stop it. Um, the only way to actually stop it is to go to zero emissions. Zero. Like, no emissions. 
as I sit here running my gas guzzling Chevrolet. So, um, you know, because I need the air conditioner and I need the battery for my phone so that I can do the podcast. We have to live our lives. So how do we go just as an individual to zero emissions? And that is the only way to, to bring it down, to start those 410 parts per million, uh, to bring them down, to, to make sure that they disappear uh, or, or bring them right. down below 400. It's not going to ever disappear. We're going to have CO2 in our atmosphere. That's part of how we live. Um, so, but too much CO2 and what we get are the storms that we are currently seeing. Um, so there's nothing to procrastinate. There's, there's no reason to procrastinate when you're, when you're currently looking at tornadoes that are hitting in areas uh, like Alabama. It used to be 50 years ago that the tornado alley in the United States was in places like Oklahoma and Kansas and uh, Nebraska. Those were all – that was tornado alley. Tornado Alley has moved over the past 50 years a minimum of 140 miles east. So we're now experiencing the entire Mississippi Valley and the Ohio Valley and the southeast with like, like places like Atlanta and, and places like – I mean, they just got nailed in, in Louisiana in that township that they, they've never seen a tornado. Never, ever, ever seen a tornado, and now they got them. So um, that's climate change, and you can actually see it. Um, you can see it happening. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to I, – I brought it back around. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just I, – I don't know how to do it on an individual basis. I mean, I'd love to switch to an electric car. Um, can't really afford it. So, you know, that's, that's part of it. Uh, you know, they, these things have to be readily accessible. I mean, I guess everybody can afford a, a Chevy Bolt because they're like 20 grand. But who can travel in that? Nobody can travel in that. Right. You know, it's, it, it's a little four-seater nothing. And it's a little go-kart. So how, how do you, I, you know, how do you put luggage in there? How do you, and the, so the more expensive uh, electric cars are, are uh, you know, they're, they're the ones that you can travel in, but they're like a hundred grand. I was looking at the, right. the Tesla 900, the Tesla 900D, and I, it's one of my favorite uh, cars. It looks like a little Porsche Cayenne. And, and they're super fast, too. They're, they're like 2.3 seconds, something crazy, zero to 60. So, you know, that's like motorcycle fast. And, and, uh, but I'm, I, it's $108,000 and, and none of, oh nobody, gosh. you know, I mean, very, yeah, very few people can uh, afford to make that transition. So in order to go to zero emissions for everyone, uh, they really, uh, the, the car manufacturers uh, and, and big business, the corporations, y'all got to jump on board on this one and make it much easier for us instead of much more difficult, which over the past year, um, they have made it extremely difficult for those of us that are middle income or lower income to afford to actually live. So how are we going to be able to make this transition? And, and it's, it's really 
it's extremely, extremely difficult. I'm not going to say that it's impossible. Um, it's just extremely difficult to do. And if we don't do it, we will get nailed by some storms that people are going to be freaking out. They are going to be absolutely freaked. They're going to have no place to go. We're going to start getting hit by storms all over the world that are like Mars or like Venus or like Jupiter's. And all of their storms, all of Mars and Venus and Jupiter's storms, are, are caused because the atmosphere is so unstable on all of those planets. And our atmosphere is becoming completely unstable. And it's going to be really, really, really nasty coming up here if we don't concentrate on this. And so I'm really happy that the Weather Channel is actually starting to present the facts. Um, you know, these are, these are all the scientific facts that they have laid out. Uh, and I, I was talking to um, a guy that listens to our podcast. Uh, I was just talking to him last night. Dude, I'm out in the middle of freaking nowhere, USA, and, and, I'm, I, and I struck up a conversation nice. with this dude, and, and he listens to us. And, and I was, I I was totally blown away by, and he seems very, um, uh, he seems more Republican than Democrat. And, and I, and what I found from him is that, that. (laughs) oh no, not, not at all. Um, What I found is that, is that he said that the majority of the Republicans just want the facts and that the majority of the, and the Democrats are basing stuff off of feelings and off of emotions. And, right. and I was like, well, but the Republicans are being fed a whole bunch of uh, false facts by things like Fox News. And he started laughing. He's like, dude, we hardly ever watch Fox News. Uh, you know, we, we're looking at them, too, like they're a bunch of idiots. So and and he knows that he's getting misinformation from them. And so the majority of the Republican Party, from what I can see, or at least the people that support them, not necessarily the people that are in Congress, (laughs) those old white guys, uh, I doubt very highly that they're like, yeah, climate change, you know, and we can actually see it, you know, that they don't. That they're like right. that they're like completely anti climate change, which doesn't make any sense. Um, but uh, the 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 people that that are their their followers or the people that voted for them um, all want facts. They want facts, and then they base their decision off of those facts. But their facts have been so, and it, and it comes from all sources of media. I've seen everybody from CNN to Fox giving out misinformation. And, and I'm like, I, I'm like, what? Well, yeah, no facts aren't Katie's trying to facts aren't subjective. Facts are facts are a, a fact. It is, you know, it, it's, it's a right. fact. It's not like you can sit there and go back and forth and say, well, this is kind of a fact and this is not a fact. It's a fact. Well, that's one of the old saws for the two parties, too. The old saw is uh, Republicans fall in line while Democrats fall in love. So Republicans will say whatever anyone else says, 
and Democrats have to love the idea behind it and make it all touchy feely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that was his point Um, that, you know, that we're, we're, uh, I'm not a Democrat. Uh, I am more liberal in, in my, in, in in my life, but I'm, I'm not a Democrat. And uh, because I, I too believe that we have to base things on facts and not emotions. Um, The emotions and the feelings, uh, yes, they have to be involved because this is politics. Um, but you really got to base stuff on facts. And this is a democracy and a democracy is not about the individual. It is about majority rules. It is not about the individual. So the individual will get pushed aside, um, on, uh, in cases like this, where we're, we're, we're trying to make a transition some of the individuals aren't going to be able to make that transition. And that is that, that is the price we're paying for having democracy, for being, for living in a, a democratic society. Um, and I don't mean democratic by like Democrat. I mean that this is the way it was designed and by our founding fathers here in the United States. Um, so that it's a majority rule thing. And uh, I, so, so based on the facts that are out there at this point, um, we're in a lot of trouble. We are collectively in a lot of trouble when it comes to letting all of the uh, 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 corporations just dump shit into our water and dump shit into our atmosphere. We can't let them do that anymore. Uh, We have to learn to harness all of that pollution and use it as energy. Uh, And by the way, uh, we have over the past, uh, in 2018, in just in a year's use now, 10% more energy than we did a year ago. And 80% of that energy worldwide, um, 80% of that energy is coal and oil. We're, not, we're only using 20% of the, of the alternative energy sources that we can use. And I, I think that's because they see this, at, at least the current administration. Uh, uh, the Koch brothers, we know, are behind number 45. And they are huge oil and coal. That is all they do. That is all they want. And I think it's a last-ditch effort, and they're doing a really good job at this last-ditch effort in order to make everybody spend as much money as possible. Did you see gas prices? Holy shit, we're at like $4 a a gallon. I think that's going to be one of the biggest tells in the next couple months is gas prices. California is at a four-year high. At four dollars yeah. and something cents a gallon, um, in Ohio yep. here we went from two twenty nine in January. We're at two seventy nine now. Um, of course, right before my big gay road trip. That's but, the um, tell in, in this poker game. Yeah. In this poker game with the billionaires, that is their tell. They are forcing us to pay more money for things that we don't actually need. We do not need oil, and we do not need coal anymore 
on this planet. We don't need it. So I think it's their last, it's their last hurrah. They're like, okay, let's, let's sell as much of this crap as we possibly can before they stop using it. Because we are getting right. to the point as a collective, as a, as a human race, we are getting to the point where we're kind of done. We're, we're yeah, I just think politically it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out because they're they're denying the climate change and they're and we have all these let's not have, we don't need any any need for fuel efficient cars but all of a sudden gas is rising back up again and just yep. last night he put a new tariff on or not tariff but he put on a new directive for anyone that does um, that gets oil from Iran. Um, is going to be slapped with a penalty or not be able to get the United States oil or something. So he's making it even harder because he's trying to be such a bully on Iran right now. It's making fuel even harder for country, other countries. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the next couple of weeks. I mean, it's just, I think this is going to be an interesting thing to watch because like you said, it's, it's still not if being they don't accepted at all. But if it starts causing them money in the pocketbook and not being a good election issue when gas is coming back up to 4 and $5 a gallon, it'll be interesting to see what they do and what they say. I, no, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I just think that um, I, I wanted to get back to, to the Weather Channel on this. Um, I, I think it's really, really good of them to, uh, to be focusing on our, uh, the true issues that are, that are happening. Instead of just uh, trying to predict shit that they can't predict, they can't do it with all with all of the with all of the computers and all the stuff. We've just got too much change happening. There's too many events happening on a daily basis, so they can't keep up. And like you said uh, yourself about this morning, that that you, you there was nobody that predicted rain, right? No, there's no rainstorm in sight, not for 24 no, hours, and then all of a sudden you get My phone said clear skies all day. Clear skies. My phone and paper yep. said. Yep. yep. No, we weren't supposed to get rain yesterday in, in the area that we were driving through, and there was a complete, I mean, just massive thunderstorm. So, you know, it, 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 that's what I'm talking about, is these, these storms literally are popping up out of nowhere, and that is climate change. That is it. That is the definition of it. Um, so I'm just I'm really glad that that the Weather Channel is has shifted their their the way they broadcast. Um, you know, that they're still broadcasting excellent. what's happening right now. Um, but, uh, you know, they're still doing their current maps and, and all of that and giving warnings from what they can see coming. Um, but uh, otherwise, it's it's all about climate change on the weather channel at this point. And, and they've, they're discussing um, like the extinction of all different species and, you know, different things that are happening and uh, worldwide as far as flooding, excuse me, flooding events and, and, uh, you know, tornadoes hitting in places where they don't hit um, all of uh, all the, and, and heat as well. Uh, This has been March has been, the hottest, uh, fourth hottest month on record. We started taking records of weather uh, in the 1880s and in the United States. And I don't know about Europe, um, but 
they uh, this has been the fourth hottest March on record. And then um, uh, we also have had the fourth hottest year on record from what I understand. So we really need to pay attention to what's going on. Otherwise, we're all going to be really screwed. <laughs> very, very interesting. Hey, you did mention one thing in there. I thought I don't know if you saw this kind of wild article, um, but you were talking about conservation and and extinction events and everything. And they have uh, a little bit of a sad news I saw today. For some reason, over and they don't know why yet. Um, in Ethiopia's national park. Uh, it's the southwest part of the country. They found 28 hippopotamuses found dead there. Um, they're not sure what's causing it yet. I don't know if it's weather-related or what, but um, they said they died between April 14th and 21st. 28 died. There's um, a home of 200 hippos. covers approximately 36 square kilometers in the land area. But these were all wow. kind of found in different parts of it, and I thought it was very wild because they are – Mammals and it's and, not, uh, it's, not mammals. It, it's not poaching. No. They're dying of natural causes. They're dying of viruses or diseases. Something something yeah, is the, killing them. It's currently unknown. They don't know if it's a virus or, or what it happens to be. But they have 28 in just uh, seven days, which is kind of well, crazy. They had, this... they, last last month or two, two months ago, they had 21 or 23 horses die at Santa Anita. And they blamed it on the weather and because it rained like heavily the days before. And then whatever was the mixed in, whatever was mixed in um, uh, uh, to the to the racetrack, like the the mud and the fertilizer and whatever they use there caused a virus of some kind. And they still don't know um, what killed those racehorses. So we, we, we can see it, you know, we, we, we are witnessing it happen and it's, it's really bad, dude. It's just really, really bad. Um, and, and, you know, and, and we're just, everybody's just trying to survive on this, you know, right? and, 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 you know, like, like, you know, Rodney King said, can't we all just get along? You know, we're sitting here fighting back and forth about like race when we're, we're all the same race. We're the human race. So I, you know, you can't. You, I, I'm watching people that are are all different colors, just dumping shit on the ground. White people dumping shit on the ground. Black people jump dumping shit on the ground. Latinos jump dumping shit. All humans. We're all humans. I, I see everybody doing. It's a cultural thing. It's not a. It's not a race thing. So as far as the human race is concerned we all as a collective really have to pay attention to the other things that are happening and not to one another and, 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 and whether or not, you know, uh, that person over there has his shit together in his life or this person over here is doing well. And none of that matters. None of that. It matters that we take care of each other in this process. That's what matters. Um, Exactly. Real quick. I'm going to hand you off to Katie. Well, we're 31 and, minutes and, in. I'm oh, going to wait. play a four. Oh, dude, we're going to do a break. Cool. We're going into a break here. 31 Sweet. minutes in. 
Then um, I don't have to hand you circle off the of life, John Williams, Circle of Life. So you have four minutes and 51 seconds to get that gas pump, my friend. Here we go. Akuna Matata. Standing on my soapbox. Oh.
Hakuna Matata, Circle of Life, The Lion King live action is coming at us in a couple of months. Um, the new trailer is actually pretty good for it. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. It's actually a little bit of a tearjerker. I like it. I like myself, what? Little Lion King. It's Lion live King. Action it's cute. It's going to do a live, well, live voices. It's going to be a Disney thing, but it's going to be like kind of live action, but not really. Um it, it's 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 interesting. It's going to be kind of fun. Where are they doing? All right. That? What do you want to go There's to? Hey, I guess missed. what I just saw. They just announced. Speaking of Republicans and Democrat, my hero, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, is um, Buttigieg. taking on a Fox News debate on May nineteenth with Chris Wallace. Good. Who I like a lot. So I think it's very fair. So yeah. yeah. No, and it's about also, time. You know, all the all the Democrats really need to be on Fox in order just to just to make sure that people are getting the correct uh, facts. Um, right. You know, if it's all one side, you're you're not going to be getting the correct facts. You will be missing. And I was surprised if to learn just, that Fox News actually has. Um, I think they said like seventeen to twenty percent Democrats listening. I don't know if it's for hate listening like I do because I watch it on occasion to hate listen, but um, they have, but of course, Sanders started off with his April 15th town hall. Um, Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota is going to do one on May 8th and um, from Milwaukee. And now uh, Pete Buttigieg is going to do one May 19th from Claremont, New Hampshire with Chris Wallace. So I'm excited about that. Good. Good stuff. They need to be out there all over the place. Yeah. I wish Pete would call I guess. in here. Mayor Pete, I'm sorry. I don't want to I don't want to be disrespectful. Uh I don't know him. You do. Um but you know, I, I wish he'd call in here and talk. Cuz it'd be good to talk. I would to love him. to get him. I'm going to I'm going to reach out again to his people. I kind of held off after a month. I just had him on on my show on April 5th, so it hasn't been that long. Right. I have to get him back right. on here, but uh I would like he's doing lots and I know of press. He's I mean, he's busy. doing lots of press, and that's part of his game plan. Is to stay on the air lots of things. So, Mayor Pete, if you're listening, three four seven nine eight nine zero one two six. Three four seven nine eight nine zero one two six. Mayor Pete, we're waiting for you. I just, as a matter of fact, I was going to talk about it on my LGBT show after we're done here, but I did see that uh, all the big, powerful Hollywood gays are putting a big fundraiser for them. On June nineteenth, Ryan Murphy is that, and, is, uh, is that what they're called? Is that what they're called now? 
powerful Hollywood well, gaze? Is that, is the, powerful, <laughs> the power gaze in Hollywood. Is that their title? <laughs> the power gaze of Hollywood, yes. The power Led gaze. Led by Ryan Murphy. <laughs> and so uh, Matt Bomer and Ryan Murphy and a whole bunch of people are putting together a big fundraiser on the 19th. And if you don't think I'm going to try to crash that while I'm on my big gay road trip, yeah. on, you got another thing coming. I will yeah, crack no, that you should. down. <clears throat> yeah. No, yeah, he's, he's, uh, they need to. He's been, he's to been catching fire. He's, now he's on the uh, radar of all the oppo research because he's, he's moving up in the polls so fast that all the candidates, Republican and Democrat, are trying to do as much oppo research as possible to find whatever they can on the guy. So he's going to start yeah, getting hammered very soon here. There's well, nothing he's to find got some things, but not a lot. Um, he's got the... The mayor thing is going to haunt him for most of the campaign, or the the police chief thing that he fired. That's going to haunt him for most of it, I think. He doesn't have those good race race relationships he started out. That was a big part of being inherited. The the wiretapping and stuff happened before he became mayor, right before. But he's the one that chose to let go of the police chief and everything. So that's going to haunt him for a bit. He did not help the situation at all. So he has a couple things that he's going to have to deal with, but I don't think there'll be anything major. Yeah, but there's nothing that to, uh, is there's there's nothing there's no skeletons. He doesn't have any right. skeletons, and that's what they're searching for. He's he's right. you know put himself out there and and told everybody exactly who he is and what he is. So he you know there's there's nothing to to find. They're looking for secrets, and he oh, they're going to go and, from what you know I, they're going to be going. From, Street by street in uh, in South and Indiana, trying to find people who give some dirt on things he did wrong as mayor. They'll they'll find right. something, but I don't think it'll be anything that that like you said amounts to a hill of beans. So just right. welcome to politics, Mayor Pete. <laughs> the real time politics. Yeah. Here you go. Well, politics so, should um, be that way. I I, I I appreciate all sides of this. Um, right. Uh, literally. Uh, not, not not attacking necessarily, but that's what it seems to be. So literally attacking their opponents, and and we kind of have to do that. Um, Forty five brought that shit on when he was circling Hillary at the debates like he was a freaking shark. You know, right? You got Hillary at that point should have said, "Hey, sit your ass down, big boy." So you know, and then and really confronted what he was doing. We have to, everyone has to, like, attack the opponents. And that's politics. Politics right. is. Oh, it's a blood sport anymore. I mean, that's for darn sure. Yeah. I changed the corner a long time ago. So, yeah, you yep. got to have a thick skin. have to have a yeah. thick skin. Um, a couple political things in the news I saw where you were on the road there. Um, we have... The uh, the guy that was in charge of clearance processes that gave Jared that clearance from, that Trump made him do was supposed to go in front of the Judiciary Committee today, and the deadline, and, uh, and the White House told him not to go, won't let him go. Wow. So not letting him go to his, is supposed to be there today, and the White House said, do not go. And the guy said, okay, I'm listening to the White House. They're my boss. So That's he is not going to go to the subpoena right now. And then, of course, Trump sued the chairman of uh, Judiciary Adler, or not uh, not um, Judiciary, of 
whatever the oversight committee is, um, uh, the black guy, Cummings. They sued uh, Congressman Cummings yesterday who's trying to get his financial information. So Trump and his businesses, are, which he should not be involved with his businesses, but together they are suing uh, them from getting any financial records. I don't understand why he's so scared of everything for just to make them look bad. Everyone else said, okay, um, yeah, I'm rich. I'd like to. He's bragged about being rich forever. Why doesn't he let people want to see he's rich? If he is, because he owes, because he owes like six hundred million dollars to Putin. So right. he doesn't, he doesn't want anybody to see that he owes the foreign entity that messed with our election. You know, by the way, every year, I mean, every four years, every election has been messed with by a foreign entity of some kind. Every election that the United States has ever had, be it it Britain, be it the French, be it the Spanish, be it the Russians. Yeah, they they all try to interfere, be it the Saudis. they, They all try to interfere. It's just that the Russians actually successfully interfered this time. Right. Didn't we get in trouble for doing something with Germany's, uh, with Angela Merkel and spying on something? I don't know if it was elections or something there, but remember we got in trouble with Angela Merkel for doing something. Cause we were doing right. our little due diligence on another country. Everybody does yep. it, just you don't want to get caught. Yep. And uh, right. hopefully you don't make a difference. But um, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. If he, owes, if he owes an immense amount of money to the Russians, then that right there is is isn't that obstruction? Isn't that collusion? Pretty sure it all falls into these words. Um, oh, he's already done I, that. I mean, that's just. I think the Mueller report showed they did that. He just didn't do anything illegal. He did everything. He stepped to the line and put his foot back and forth across it. But there's uh, there's got to be something. There's got to be something illegal about owing. Six hundred million dollars, and then letting them uh, influence the election. There's there's something yeah. illegal about that, and that's why he's hiding his taxes. There's something we're going to find it eventually, maybe a long time, but who knows? Um, we'll I think it'll be sooner it. than not. Hey, I want to add on to a story. Remember we talked the other day about that stupid New Mexico militia that was detaining migrant families at the border? Yeah. Did they get arrested? Well, they've been, they've been. Well, the the one lead guy, the head of the militia, has been arrested, but for nothing. Yep. They're not getting arrested for doing that, though. He was arrested for being a felon <laughs> in charge of guns. He has guns all over the place. And he's a felon, so they got him on that. But they're not arresting him for actually detaining immigrants. They're just saying that's a very bad thing and stop it. But the interesting it's thing a very is bad that thing. when stop they were. When he got in trouble and got the felony conviction for these gun things, um, supposedly at the time they were training this group he runs to assassinate uh, George Soros, Hillary Clinton, and Barack Obama, according to an FBI agent's sworn deposition. He's denying it, of course, but an FBI agent swore to this in a deposition about the guy on a public tip line. They got a public tip line to the FBI from someone else a while back Wow. So who knows if it's true, it's a public tip line, but the FBI sorted the deposition that they did get the tip line and they tried to investigate it. So it was uh, very, very interesting. We'll see what happens with that. Okay, so what else? What else is going on? Oh, let's see what else I got. Um, 
We only have a couple minutes here. Let's see what I can find. Uh, oh, we got to talk about your guy. Luke Perry's final scene Luke. will be tomorrow on Riverdale. Is it tomorrow? So, Wait, what is today? What's today? Today's, today's Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. So it is tomorrow. And yeah. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah, final is scene. his final, final episode on, on Riverdale. They put together a great scene with him and uh, the guy that plays Archie, that KJ Apa kid. And right. uh, it's going to be an emotional night for sure. So that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. I bet the ratings. Yeah, the, sadly, they'll they'll get some really good ratings for that. Um, yeah, I, I, I really haven't. I, I've been so freaking busy with moving and, and all of the stuff that's going on in our lives. Um, that I, I haven't even been able to like mourn Glenn Fry's passing or, or I, I barely got to mourn Chris Cornell didn't get to mourn Chester Bennington and have not gotten to mourn Luke Perry yet. So I, you know, I'm, I'm not, it, it, it's been so like, uh, frustrating and, uh, right. I just all the deaths have been have taken their toll on me. So, so I, I you know, I just him. haven't gotten the opportunity to do to to mourn his death, and I'll probably be watching tomorrow. So. Yeah, I, I will definitely be tuning in to, to watch it. I've I record the show, and I'm a couple episodes behind, but I might just watch tomorrow out of sequence just to watch it. Uh, so I'm part of the it's group. It's so hard because I was that, I, I was so looking forward to introducing him to Katie, to Katie Barberi, my fiance, and uh, I just you know now I can't. So I'm yeah I don't know, just beat up. Sucks. No, it's very tough. It's hard to lose anybody yeah. when you lose someone in a prime. It's something like a stroke that you don't expect. Someone that's relatively seems healthy, wealthy and wise. And uh, right. when it's a nice guy and a respected person, um, it's a it's a tough thing. It's it's hard to wrap your head around those things. People die every day. We yeah, he was that. such but a when it's such a sweetheart, a good guy. Yeah, very tough. Yeah, he was such. He, he was a really really nice guy. I mean, at least when when I dealt with him, and from what I understand of everybody else that's ever dealt with him, uh, on any level, that he is. You know, uh, extremely missed and was uh, an extremely beautiful human being. Right. Uh, let's see. We got about four minutes here. Last thing I'll go into. Uh, I'll go back four to minutes. Dude, this show. This show is flying. I know. This show flew by. Um. For 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 my interest, the LGBT interest, the Supreme Court picked up yesterday. Three laws, they're actually going, and it's a little scary for the community, I think, but the Supreme Court is finally going to uh, do a ruling on whether there's workplace discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation will come under Title VII. It's had split um, things in the past, because right now there's still 31 states where you can be fired for being gay. Basically, they don't need, they can use that as an excuse, and they can't not do it. Um, so 31 states still let you fire someone just for their sexual orientation or gender identity. So it's been going around the, in the courts for a while. 
um, these three cases, a couple times it sided with uh, the LGBT community, one time it sided with the employers, but they're gonna, the Supreme Court is going to take this up and decide that Title VII does uh, make um, sexual orientation part of the Title VII, which obviously it does the race, color, religion, sex, national origin, it's that clause of the Bill of Rights. And so they're going right. to uh, look that up. So it's a little scary. They can decide the court. We have this new Supreme Court that's been chock full of people because of Mitch McConnell in 45. That's a little more conservative leaning now. So this court can decide that, no, not only are the, the 19 states that currently allow it going to be overturned, and now you can legally be discriminated against in 50 states and just fired, not be able to have a livelihood because of your sexual orientation um, I, could go I'm, that way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I, I'm really confused uh, when it, when it comes to um, I, I'm a heterosexual who has, who has uh, many, many homosexual people in my life. And I, I, I'm, I'm super confused as to how the people that are making these laws and making these decisions, um, how is it that gay people actually affect you? How, how is that? I, I, how do they affect you in any way? I, I, I'm not sure. 347-989-0126, even though we only have like one freaking minute. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure how, I mean, like they never affected me. I, you know, I, I may have gotten hit on a couple of times, but what, I, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm not positive. How exactly do gay people affect your life? They don't. I mean, maybe by not having any children, you know, there, hey, they, they affected it in a positive way. But uh, how do they affect you? I, I don't get it. I'm like, why, why are you so uh, against gay people? They don't affect you in any way, shape, or form. Except for maybe yeah, to give you some it, more culture. It makes no sense. I mean, I don't go to sleep at night wondering why straight people are allowed to, to have a job and I'm not. <laughs> I just don't understand that. It's very strange to me how um, the, the minor differences that we have as a community um, affects your employment status, how someone is more able to work than someone else. But we'll see what happens. It's not. It's I mean, it's not even. Year. It's not even employment. It's just on a daily basis. How does a gay person affect you? How? What? What did they do to ruin your life? What? Nothing. They don't affect you. And like I said, if if they do anything, they give you more culture. Like I've said this before, it, it was not a heterosexual person who put lavender lights underneath the MacArthur Causeway in Miami, all right? That was a gay person. That was a homosexual who did that because there's not one heterosexual out there that would be like, oh, yeah, lavender. Yeah, lavender. That, that, <laughs> that, that works great. That's beautiful. No, Agreed. they're like, just put some white lights underneath there. They don't care. So it's about the culture. That's the only way they positively affect you. They don't negatively affect you. And if they negatively affect you, maybe it's about you. Maybe it's about you. Maybe you got some issues going on there that you need to like, maybe you're gay and you might want to go and 
and try it out because otherwise, how do they affect you? I just I, I don't understand, and I'm I'm very confused when it when it when it comes to that. It's going to be an interesting couple of months. They're not going to decide it till next year in the middle of election season. So we will see what happens. Well, my friend, have a very safe travels in your undisclosed location. We appreciate you calling in today. Thank you, sir. We'll be back tomorrow. At, I, appreciate, uh, I appreciate being able to call in. There you go. One o'clock Pacific, four o'clock Eastern time. Right here, you're listening to Standing on My Soapbox on Left of Straight Radio Network. Play out little Matt Stern. Stay tuned for Left of Straight Show coming up at 5 o'clock right here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Peace, peace, peace. This time I won't idealize you. I won't throw my hands up over my head and cry Still I know you are the one And I still taste you on my tongue And I would be fortunate to lie with you One more night much time now I just take one look inside your eyes and I'm flying what am I still doing here I know you will soon disappear but I still hold on to spend time with you one more night And turn all night till you come closer. Feeling you inside me over and over. Still, I know you are the one. I still taste you on my tongue, and I would be fortunate to lie with you. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton.
Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight show. My name is Scott Fullerton, and I'm your host for the next couple hours. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope that you'll share this podcast with all your friends, families, and allies of the LGBT community. Today is Tuesday, April 23rd, 2019. I'm getting back into the swing of things after a big Easter. I am still full. I put that little ham away today. Um, If I'm going to have a little piggy go to market, I'm going to make it work for it. And I made ham salad today, and I have the bone away for soup. I have ham steaks for breakfast this morning. And we're going to go for it. So lots of fun stuff in there. I got my interns tuning in today. We got Jordan on, and we're going to have Chris join us in just a little bit here. Jordan, how are you doing today? Doing good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for being part of the show. We are opening up the chat room today, guys, if you want to talk to our guests today, because in just a couple of minutes, I have a couple of great guests for us. Coming up first is the founder of Broadway Sings for Pride, uh, Neil Bennington. He'll be on, and he's bringing on a special guest with him today, his good friend, Dimitri Moist. They're going to talk about an upcoming show they have going on um, to make money. And then in the second hour, I'm going to be bringing back a good friend of the show, uh, Josh Orozco, a very good friend of mine. He's breaking into the music business and had his first release last weekend, uh, Shadowland come out so we'll be talking in the second hour so chris how are you doing today buddy oh, i'm good man how are you good welcome to the show glad to have you guys on chris and jordan are going to be running the chat room today so if you have any questions for our guests or me just go ahead and scroll down you have to be listening live on blog talk ready for listening to the podcast obviously you can't but if you're listening to us live on blog talk right now click the link go down scroll below the slideshow you'll see the chat room Click on to get inside, and if you have any questions for our guests or for my interns or for me, go ahead and have at it. They will get it to us. We'll make sure we get your questions on the air. If you missed yesterday's show, we had a great group of people. I had Dan Carter of Danimal Yoga in Washington, D.C. on. He is an amazing yoga instructor. He's an animal activist, worked for Animal Planet Network for uh, four years. He also is doing a new naked yoga class. Not new. It's been going on for 13 years. But it's just now catching fire in Washington, D.C. We talked all about that yesterday. That's an interesting subject. And then in our second hour yesterday, we had a brand-new singer-songwriter just been out for a very short time. His debut EP is coming out this June. I was his very first interview ever. His name is Hayden Joseph. So be sure to go check it out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever your favorite podcast distributor is, and just type in Left of Straight Show, subscribe there, and listen to all of our episodes. We had a great show for you yesterday. Uh, we're also, as of yesterday, less than one month away from the Big Gay Road Trip Part 2, where I will be taking the show from Northeast Ohio here to Palm Springs, California for a month's worth of shows. We'll be live every Monday and Tuesday there. We're trying to raise some money to bring an intern with me and to have a third day of shows with some allies and some of our women friends in L.A. So you can always check both those things out. Go to Indiegogo.com and type in Big Gay Road Trip 
Or if you go to the website, www.leftofstraight.com, Left of Straight is always spelled L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number 8.com. Click on the Big Gay Road Trip tabs. You'll be able to check out all of our information, see who our sponsors are. If you contribute to the Indiegogo campaign, you'll be listed on the website. You can find out who our guests are going to be. We have some great guests. I announced one of our first guests yesterday. If you guys are old as dirt like me, you may remember the very first winner of Star Search back in the day, Sam Harris. He is going to be out in Palm Springs with me on one of our days there, so that's exciting. Lots of other new announcements coming up on that as well. I want to give a big shout-out to our sponsors so far. We have Pink Banana Media out of New York and L.A., the I Love Gay LGBT hashtag 360 Marketing Network, Hillcrest Social and the What's Trending app out of San Diego, and CBT Candles and TH Productions out of L.A. are all helping make this big gay road trip possible, and we hope you'll be part of it as well. So go to the Indiegogo campaign or shoot me off an email if you guys want to help sponsor it. So we've got all that happening. We're going to start the show in just a couple of minutes here, but let's go into a little bit of news. Um, I don't know if this is good or bad, to be honest with you. The Supreme Court yesterday decided to take up and rule on LGBTQ job discrimination. Um, They're announced they're going to be hearing three cases uh, about job discrimination in the workplace, and it could be a really good thing or a really bad thing. Right now, Ohio is one of 31 states it is legal to fire you just for being gay. Um, you do not have to have any other excuse. You can say, sorry, we don't want to have gay people here. You're fired. And 31 other states in the country allow that as well. But there have been a couple of lawsuits where they're trying to get um, LGBTQ protections under Title VII of the Constitution, which is the you cannot discriminate against age, race, sex, national origin they're trying to get sexual orientation including that sex part um so far there's been two successful cases and one non-successful case in protecting lgbt rights but what this basically means is the supreme court which is now leaning very conservative thanks to the last two nominees has the chance to make it legal in all 50 states discriminate against LGBTQ people. Um, Not a fun thing to have happen. Uh, Jordan and Chris, you're both allies, but obviously are very uh, big support of the LGBT community. What do you think about this? Jordan? Um, I think, honestly, it makes me really nervous, but I think it could go either way. They should rule in support of not discriminating because it is discrimination, you know, but it makes me nervous. Yeah, I can't imagine someone saying, I'm sorry I have to fire you because you sleep with a woman to some man or something or vice versa. Right. It doesn't make any sense to Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it, it's silly. Chris, any thoughts? I think with the conservative majority, I mean, I, I think it's it's got to come into law. I think they're going to start putting more discriminatory uh, legislation into place, in all honesty, as sad as it, as sad as it is in this progressive time that we're living in. 
I think the Supreme Court is pretty far back from the progress we've made. Yeah, I I agree with you 100%. It's very scary. Like I said, it could go go very, very badly. I mean, it's exciting that they're taking it up, that the Supreme Court is going to decide on this, but the way the court is balanced right now, or I shall say imbalanced, um, it could be a very scary time, so... We need Ruth Bader to hang on. Exactly. I will, like, Mm -hmm. put pillows all around her everywhere she walks. I will throw them in front of her so nothing ever happens. I'm I'm telling you, that was her motivation. When she was having her health issues, I think that was honestly her motivation. I think so, too. I think she's a very fair-minded person. And just because of the makeup, not for LGBT, she's just there for everybody. She wants to make sure the Constitution is fair exactly. for everybody. And that's why right, she's sticking around. Be. What's that, Jordan? Said as it should be for everybody. As it should be, exactly. Um, yeah, very, 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 very wild. Uh, another thing that was interesting to me in the news this week, um, Aaron Schock was a politician that was um, kind of voted out of Congress um, for he was very anti-LGBT put a lot of legislation anti-LGBT legislations out there um, but he was kind of assumed as being closeted gay the entire time he, ha- he got into trouble for a lot of extravagant spending while he was in office for redecorating his office and for bringing a photographer with him and all these things well, anyway he supposedly was photographed this past weekend at Coachella with a bunch of gay men and kind of was a video of him putting his hand down someone's pants. Now, I dislike him immensely for uh, all his anti-LGBT things, but I am not for public outing. I still think this is a public outing, putting this all out there. As allies, what do you guys think about that? Any, uh, any thoughts on that, Chris? I think it's interesting how a lot of these super anti-gay politicians or even like reverends or people in the church end up, it comes out that they're gay themselves. Like, I I think it's interesting. But at the same time, though, I think his privacy deserves to be respected at the same time. Right. Jordan, what are your thoughts? The 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 only line is that he is a public figure, I guess. I guess that's like the only thing is that when you're a public figure, you kind of you kind of put yourself out there out there to things like this. So that might be right. But he's out of office now, I believe. I mean, and you're right, but you're right. He was a public figure. What are your thoughts, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of feel the same way as Chris. But also, if you're going to do so much against a certain group of people, you shouldn't be doing things like that. But I mean, I guess I've never had to deal with. Um, like coming to terms with something like that. So I guess a public outing might be a little bit much for him, especially, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely been debated in the community. I mean, I'm I'm not for public outing. I'm for hypocrisy. And so he definitely was very yeah. anti-LGBT. Like I said, while he was in office, I think all bets are off. Now that he's out of office, changes a little bit. Um, the gays that were photographed with him I, I hate using that word, the gays That's so sad, but anyway The people that were photographed with him um, 
did not know who he was. They got a lot of flack for being photographed with him. That uh-huh. I thought was not fair as well um, because yeah. they honestly didn't know who he was, um, which is fine. You can be ignorant on that. You don't have to follow politics. So it's been an interesting situation, but we're going to follow that a little more. We'll get back to it. A lot of other stuff in the news I'll do at the end of the show, but I see our first two guests have logged in to join us. So we're going to go ahead and take a break here. Uh, Jordan and Chris are going to be manning the chat room. So if you have any questions for any of our guests today or for us who want to chat in, go ahead and scroll down to the bottom of the page. If you're listening live, obviously you can't do this if you're listening to our podcast um, later on. But uh, let us know if you have any questions. We're going to listen to our buddy Matt Stern. And when we come back, I'm going to be talking to two fantastic guests that are representing Broadway Sings for Pride. You're listening to the Left and Straight show right here on Left and Straight Radio Network.
Guys, we are back. That is Matt Stern with You're an Animal. Matt's going to be joining me on the Big Gay Road Trip when we take the show to Palm Springs for the month of June. Matt and his boyfriend are going to drive down from Canada to be part of the show. So I'm very excited to have him live in just a little bit. But it's time to have our first two guests on. You guys know I'm all about Broadway. I talk about it all the time on the show. So I'm so excited to bring them on. Broadway Sings for Pride was founded in the spring of 2011 in response to the tragic suicides that were occurring in the news at the time and was formed to show community and especially our younger generations that there are voices out there that support them. Since the inaugural concert in June of 2011, they've held multiple concerts throughout the years with some of the best names of Broadway either lending their talent or support. These concerts have raised thousands upon thousands of dollars, which they've given away to some amazing LGBT causes. And I am honored to have the founder here today, Neil Bennington, and he's brought with him a very special guest, an ambassador for the organization, Dimitri Moist, which I hope I said his name right. We'll find out in just a second. Guys, welcome to the show. How's everything to people downtown New York City? Uh, Dimitri, how the heck do I say your name? You said it, you said it just right. I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for my bad self. And Bennington, I was able to handle the old welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. It's such an honor. Uh, I love listening. So this is like crazy to be on here. Well, it's exciting to have the two of you on. If you have listened to the show ever, you guys know I'm infatuated with Broadway. Uh, I've been banished to Northeast Ohio. So it's only a six and a half hour drive to New York. I try to get there whenever I can. But now I have two new drinking buddies to go out with, so I'm very excited all of a sudden. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I always like to start from the very beginning, get a little background to people been on the show for the very first time. So I want to know all about where you guys grew up, what kind of a kid were you, and what did you first want to be when you grew up? Neil, let's start with you. Sure. Well, I have a great story. Um, Actually, I am adopted from Columbia, so um, I grew up in New Jersey, northern New Jersey, my whole life. And I've always really wanted to be an actor or do something kind of in that field. So when I went to college, I went to college at um, a school called Wagner College in Staten Island. And I did a double major in elementary education and theater. And I wound up kind of going towards the elementary education field. But I've always kind of done stuff and kind of had my ear to the ground with theater and it's always been like a, a love of mine. So the fact that I get to give in a way that's truly important, but also in a way that's so special. And, um, you know, I give people like Dimitri so much credit who can go out there and just do these amazing things that I could never do. Like you do not want to see me dance. <laughs> so it's great. To, it's really great to see like, you, you know, these amazing performers that give up their time and just to be a, a little part of that and to kind of, again, to kind of 
hear their amazing talents in such a great festival is just like great for me. Like it's a dream. That's amazing. Congratulations. I love that backstory. I love the adoption part. I'm actually adopted by my dad with my um, birth mother and my dad got together when I was three years old. So I think that's an amazing story. I don't know if I'm happy or sad that you ended up in New Jersey. I don't know. You'll have to let me know one of these days. <laughs> yeah, jury's always out. <laughs> there you go. And, Dimitri, give me a little bit about your background, my friend. Sure. Well, I'm uh, originally from New York. I was born in Queens. Um, my family, my mom and my dad, both come from Haiti. So I'm first-generation born uh, here in the States. I was a pretty quirky kid growing up. My dad works in cardiology, so my family was pretty interested in me following the medicine path. So uh, funny enough, I really wanted to be a surgeon. And I had this whole plan as a kid that I would go to medical school and then become a reconstructive surgeon and work on people who needed surgeries in that way. And then as my practice grew, I could then uh, move into cosmetic surgery and then hopefully do reconstructive work pro bono, um, community service and getting back had always been a part of my life. And my parents, really instilled that in me from, from, you know, when I was a child. Um, but I fell into theater in high school because I got the opportunity to start auditioning for shows, and I was in the Glee Club. I, could, I had a decent voice. So um, when I got into my first show in high school, um, the theater bug hit, bit me so hard. And when I found out that I could go to school for theater, I was like, oh, my gosh, look, I want to try. I want to try and do this. <laughs> so I um, applied half of my schools for the pre-med path, the other half for theater. I got into all of my schools for theater and I thought, okay, well, maybe I should, maybe I should follow this. And I did. I went to NYU uh, to School of the Arts, which was an incredible program. And funny enough, I made my Broadway debut on the night that I graduated from college, which was like the wildest experience ever. It was really, really cool. Um, And from then, I've been really fortunate to have been working um, in this incredible community. I sang in my first Broadway Sings for Pride concert uh, in 2014. And then since then, Neil and I have been connected and have gotten to work on other really amazing projects together. And for me, as someone who's always been um, giving back to the communities that have given so much to me, it, it means a lot to be a part of this organization because theater allowed me to come out you know, literally, and, and, and in terms of who I am as a person and the things that matter the most to me. And so to be able to give that back to, um, to many other people through Broadway Sings for Pride is such an awesome opportunity for me. That's amazing. I'm going to go into your backstories a bit in, in a second here because I think you guys both are such great activists, um, not only the LGBT community, but in general. And, and you talked about uh, both being out and proud and everything, I think that's so important when you can. We were talking a little bit um, before you came on about the whole Aaron Shock thing and out public outing. I'm not going on that. But since you guys are out and proud, I do want to talk about that. When did you first come out to yourself, and when did you first come out to others, Neil? Oh, that's a good question. I think I've always just known and just, again, too, I think it probably for many, I think in high school, uh, you know, I, I, you know, when you're going through changes and 
all of a sudden you're like, girls, ew, boys, yes, please. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of it. And then since then, you know, and, and I think, too, that being in this area really um, affords you a lot of leniency and who you can tell and, and how proud you can be because um, one of the things that we try to do with Broadway Sings for Pride is put a lot of our clips online and reach out because, unfortunately, even though we're in places in the country and the city that really celebrate who you are, not everyone can do that. And so I am kind of the um, – I'm kind of the fortunate one that never really had any backlash or had any trouble coming out or having not having support. So we always kind of want to give that back to the community and, uh, you know, understand that if we can put clips up that people can identify with and relate to and hopefully change their perspective or make them feel comfortable through the arts, you know, we want to make sure that we can do that as best we can. That is amazing. I love that. And Dimitri, go ahead. Sure. So I'm I'm on the other side of the spectrum. I I grew up in an incredibly conservative family, and um, being gay was just not an option. Um, I I remember I have memories of um, being sent to conversion therapy when I was in sixth grade. Those were like vivid oh, memories that were like latched into my mind. Um, I didn't get the chance to really come out. I started, I dated a girl in high school for a couple of years, and that was, like, my opportunity to, like, I don't know, show God that I could be straight or, you know, whatever I was thinking. And and it's during that same time is when I also realized you like boys and you need to figure out how to deal with this, I, you know, uh, my high school self. Right. And I remember um, starting to talk to other gay boys um, when I was in high school um, because of the theater that I was doing. And that's how I started getting connected to different types of people and not just the really conservative people that were always in my life. Um, right. I unfortunately kind of outed by my community. So it was, a, it was mm. pretty traumatic. Um, I was kicked out of my church and um, a, a, a lot of, a lot of things followed. Um, but thankfully in a way, it, it was almost a good thing because I was outed right before I left for college. And had that not happened, I don't know if I would have started my time at NYU as a, a newly open, uh, open gay person. And, oh, um, right. Yeah, and so in a way, though that experience was traumatic when I look back on it, um, it really opened a new door for me because I got to – go to a school and be surrounded by all of these different types of people from all over the world who spoke all different sorts of languages, had different uh, walks of life and faith, and who were gay, who were trans, who were queer. Um, And that really opened my eyes to finding out and accepting and loving who I really am today. Um, And so bringing it back to Broadway Sings for Pride, like, I remember when I was asked to sing that concert, and it was it was a few months after I started uh, my first show on Broadway, which was the Book of Mormon, and I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, like, can you imagine, like, my high school self would have never imagined that five years later, I'd be on Broadway as an out queer person, getting to sing and use my talents in a way that could 
help and celebrate my queerness. I would have never imagined that. And then now flash forward even more years to, to be an, an activist and to be an advocate in various sectors of the LGBTQ community, my, my younger self would have never dreamed that I'd be doing this today. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of backstory. Um, that's awesome. I love that. You guys both have great, interesting backgrounds. I love that. Neil, talk about yourself a little bit now. You had a day job for a long time. Are you still teaching outside of doing all your work? Uh, on Broadway, and what was your first? We kind of heard um, Dimitri's foray into entertainment. What was yours? Well, the interesting thing was I I did still I do still teach, and uh, it's one of those crazy things where um, I was trying to um, have a day job and do a bunch of different things, and um, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, and I discovered that. When you're in New York City, um, I was taking pictures, and uh, the New York Daily News kind of picked up my pictures for a story, and it kind of led me to kind of say, like, I wonder if I could ride this out and make this a little bit more. So me being someone that is always curious, um, contacted a few people and said, listen, I'd love to try to do red carpet events. I've never done one. I don't want to get paid. I just want to be on the red carpet. And it led to... um, Wendy Williams seen some of my work, so I opened up her show for her, and then from there I kind of did, um, I got to go to, like, one of the first premieres of Glee, and, uh, you know, from there kind of did, I did uh, Matt Damon, interviewed Clint Eastwood, and so on. So I started to have a a media connection where I was going to all these events, and so um, I would do that, and then, of course, I was teaching also at, you know, the same time. And so, um, you know, it's always kind of a delicate balance of how to kind of do both. But, you know, the the great thing about kind of getting my foot wet with media is that I was able to make these connections. And, again, too, I like Dimitri said, when you look back and you look at different parts of your life and you think, oh, my God, like how, you know, the things that shaped it, uh, for me, I'm like, I I never – in a million years would think that I'd be calling up like agents and publicists and, you know, doing red carpet events of my own. So, I mean, I think everything follows, falls into place the way it should. And uh, for me being an educator too, I always kind of want to do something where I'm learning and I'm getting excited mm-hmm. about. And hopefully, you know, that translates into the work I do. And again, to translates into things that I put out there. That is awesome. Well, when I come out and visit, we have drinks. If your Rolodex is ever missing, it wasn't me. I just want that out ahead of time (laughs) because I'm booking lots of shows, and I just want to say that it wasn't me. Uh, Dimitri, I want to talk about education with you a bit. You uh, do some great work with the Central Queens Academy. Talk about that a bit. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, so Central Queens Academy is a school in the neighboring school district from mine. Um, I do a lot of work in my home community. I live in Astoria now. And Central Queens Academy is a, is a middle school. Um, it's a public charter school that works primarily with students who are English language learners or from immigrant populations. And it was founded in 2012, and in its, uh, in its now seventh year, um, they've had the last five consecutive years coming out as one of the top performing 
um, public schools and charter schools, not only in the city, but in the state. And the work that the teachers are doing with these students is just so incredible. And to know that there are people in my community of Queens that are looking at different populations of people and seeing that, okay, we have the students that are living in this community who, you know, whose parents may not be from this country or whose parents may not be speaking English every day in the home or whose parents are working three to four jobs. And so they're forced to go home and do their homework on their own and learn all these things by themselves. The school gives these students the opportunity to shine and to get into, you know, some of the most competitive high schools and really allow them to see a, a future that can be sustainable and that they can thrive in. And so I uh, was asked to come on uh, and join the founding team and helping them develop a new board of directors. Um, a, lot, a lot of the um, issues that we've been kind of looking at uh, with the school is how can we get young professionals who are interested in education, who look like the students that we're servicing um, and can be mentors to them. And, you know, these students can look at someone who's in their mid-20s or in their, third, or in their you know, mid-30s and, and see someone who's not too far away from them thriving and being sustainable as they dream that they can be. And so I'm helping them develop a new board um, full of young professionals who can be those, those mentors for these students and who can really support the school um, as it expands. It's going to become a school that's servicing students from kindergarten to eighth grade um, in the next couple of years. So um, it's really rewarding to work with um, that school, especially being a child of immigrants myself. So it, it's really close to my heart. And um, they're just a really incredible school doing some awesome things. That is great. You guys are both doing such great work. Well, I want to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how your activism began. And we're going to talk, of course, about Broadway Sings for Pride. Uh, let's keep it up with our buddy Matt Stern, do a little travel around your world. Guys, if you have any questions for our guest today, go to uh, the link for the live show, scroll down to the chat room, and Jordan and Chris will be listening to anything you have to say, and we'll make sure we find out about it. Here's Travel Around Your World by Matt Stern. You're listening to the Left of Straight show on the Left of Straight radio network. Before me, I know it's not right. To 
never keep my mouth shut Always wanna give it and never wanna give up I'm just trying to keep this holy leave the rest The destiny back. Guys, I'm so excited today to be talking to the founder of Broadway Sings for Pride, Mr. Neil Bennington, and he's brought along a special guest himself, Dimitri Moise, who uh, is staying in the program and does so many great works together. They are just an amazing power group that I'm happy to have on the show tonight. Neil, talk about, you've been producing events since college. What got you into kind of all this production part and planning events and giving back? Oh, you know what? I, I think the necessity of just, uh, as kind of Dimitri said, I've always kind of, you know, it's kind of ingrained in you. And I think it's always kind of been like that in my family to give back in different ways. And, um, you know, it just, again, fell into place. Like, I, I again, too, I never had experience putting together big shows or wanted to in that respect. And everything again to happen for a reason and everything kind of just fell into where it needed to be. And again, too, for me, it's always exciting because I don't come from a background where I was educated in uh, PR or publicity. It's exciting for me because I always get to learn. And I think it also keeps everything a little more real because I always have to be on my toes because if not, (laughs) then it's not a good thing. So, uh, you know, yeah. And you know, it's, it's, Again, too, looking back, uh, when we first started, I never thought we would be at the point where, uh, you know, next year is going to be our 10th year doing this, which for me is mind-blowing because, you know, we as a collective, these amazing Broadway 
celebrities and all these talents that come out and activists, um, you know, I don't think we ever thought it would be a yearly thing. And here we are approaching our ninth, you know, concert in uh, June. Fantastic. And Dimitri, we talked about it briefly. You have such a great dedication to your community in Queens. Talk about that and talk about Torch and what really got your activism kicked off. Sure. Um, well, like like I was saying before, my, my parents, since, since me and my younger brother were kids, you know, they always told us to get back, get back, get back. And I did a lot growing up. I, I went to college on a community service scholarship. Um, because of all the work that I was doing, and that just never stopped. And um, performing didn't get in the way of that, but um, when I started to perform, the more I was doing shows, the less I was engaging in my communities and and doing the kind of work that really brought me a lot of passion and joy. And so I thought about how I could put my own stamp um, in in, in a small way um, in the world and look back at all the, all of the successes that I've been able to have and have been so blessed to have and think about how I can start passing that on to um, other LGBTQ folks who are coming up the ladder, other black and brown boys and girls who are coming up the ladder and didn't have the resources that I had. Um, and then, you know, the election happened in 2016, and that was kind of, a, that lit a huge fire under me. And, and so I got together with a um, former classmate of mine from NYU, and then a mutual friend of ours who graduated from Howard University. And the three of us thought, okay, if we were to create some sort of organization or work on a project that could help um, our communities, what would that look like? And all three of us came to the realization that we all have a passion and love for the arts. Um, myself as an arts entertainer, Robert, my co-founder as an arts educator, and Vondell um, as more of the arts and business side. And so we thought, how could we combine all of those three skills and turn that into um, a training program for young um, black students who not only see themselves as acting, singing, dancing on a Broadway stage, but also being the CEO of their own company? How do we combine arts and entrepreneurship and really allow these students that we work with to um, realize that whatever they want to make happen can happen. And that in 2019, you don't have to be a starving artist. We live in the future now. And there are so many different avenues to create a sustainable life for yourself. And that's what we do at Torch is we work with students and we teach them how to find a sustainable lifestyle in the arts, whether they're that. looking to own a business or be a, be a, an entertainer or what have you. Um, yeah. Great. That is so cool. Now, Neil, I remember the Tyler Clemente time. Well, um, there was a lot of suicides happening at that time. Talk about how it affected you and how it became this brainchild for Broadway Sings for Pride. Oh, absolutely. Well, um, yeah, you know, it was completely devastating, especially when you looked at the ages of these kids who were so incredibly young. And to think that they thought that this is their only way out. And for some of them, you know, um, they really, really thought that. And, uh, you know, it, as a teacher, as just someone, again, in the community, um, you know, you look and you want to do something. And for me, um, hearing about all these suicides that were happening in the community and 
all over the United States was just such a, you know, a harrowing thing to hear. And I happened to be at an event, a press event, and, uh, you know, the LGBT Center of New York happened to be there and something clicked inside me. And I said, you know, I don't understand why we can't do more as a community. We have this great resource of New York City where we have this talent and we have people that want to do something. And why aren't we doing more to celebrate who we are and to let people know that if they need help, we're there. And so I contacted them. And again, not knowing how to do any of this, I wrote like a 13-page, like, basically like manifesto of what I wanted the show to be. And they were like, okay, we can give you a Sunday for like a half hour in one of our rooms. <laughs> and I remember being like, oh, sweetie, clearly you don't know me. Um, so you know, we went back and, and, you know, it was great because, you know, our first one we had like, we had some of our real housewives and um, we had definitely, it was right when the Book of Mormon had won the Tony. So we had, um, them come and a, a bunch of our Broadway stars and the wonderful thing was again and it really goes back to not just um, Broadway since your pride sense of giving but really the community who wants to help out is that it was the performers really that were having such an amazing time sharing their talent telling their stories um, helping audience members uh, you know with all this that you know, everybody really was like, we should do it again. So, you know, a few weeks after we went into studio, we recorded a few songs and then we did a Christmas um, event. And then ever since then, we've been doing a yearly um, show. And one of the things I'm conscious too of and kind of um, is to make sure that the people and the community um, that we hit on um, is the very specific so that we just don't have uh, you know, just Broadway people up there. We just don't have activists. So, you know, we have a gambit. So last year, it was really nice. We had an author who just wrote a book, a fairy tale about two princes that fell in love. And uh, I got an nice. idea to have kind of the kids of Broadway come on and perform it. We have had, you know, um, gay veterans. We've had, uh, you know, trans, anything in the occupational world. Come on. So, you know, I really try to reach out to try to show people that no matter who you are, where you are, you know, that you we're here and we're not going away and that we want to make a difference and we want to do something to show people that we can create positive change in the world. I absolutely love that. If you ever need an over-the-hill radio guy that would introduce uh, anybody, you let me know. That's for darn sure. Yeah, um, definitely. Talk about what kind of contacts did you have at the very beginning? Who did you know? And who was your first big get? Who was your first big sign-on? I think that the the biggest people that we had were um, what was really great. It was actually right before our first show, and I reached out to a few you know, a bunch of people, and Joy Behar got back, like, right away, and she was the sweetest, because not only did she do, like, a special shout-out for us, but she did it, like, right on the View set, so it was, like, the coolest thing ever, um, completely wow. beyond sweet. Um, yeah, and, you know, since then, you know, we've worked with Laverne Cox, we've had mm-hmm. a lot of the Orange is the New Black, um, Broadway, uh, Kristen Chenoweth, so, you know, each year, again, it gets 
just I'm always humbled and awed because people come out and, you know, everybody is donating their time. And we do this for the love of uh, trying to educate people and entertain. So the fact that each year I have people that are coming back and asking, you know, when can I be involved next and how can I help is just to me so humbling that you have people. And especially I think when outsiders think of New York and they think of this cold, gritty place that no one cares about anything, uh, you know, it's entirely opposite because you have all these wonderful people with great hearts that come out and, you know, they want to, they really want to create this change. So, you know, for me to sit there and to kind of be the catalyst for these amazing people and speakers and to hear these stories about these incredible moments in people's lives that have changed them for the better, for me, it's just, um, it doesn't get any better than that. That's fantastic. And Dimitri, yeah, Neil talked about the theater community for a second. One thing I've no- noticed doing the show for the last three and a half years is the New York Theater Company is very supportive. Um, I have a lot of friends that do a lot of L.A. theaters. There's actually a lot of theaters in L.A., but it's very cutthroat there. You're kind of all going out for each other. and I think, But the, the theater community in New York really does look out for each other from what I've heard. Have you found that to be true? Yeah, I found that to be absolutely true. Um, I've also found it, you know, it's to be difficult to enter, you know, that door, right? Like there are so many of us, uh, so many actors in New York trying to make it on Broadway and there's, you know, a select group of people. But once you get into that community, the love that, that you receive and that you're able to give back and share, is, it comes back two, threefold. And even on the off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway community, theater, at any level of theater, you'll find that support because, because I think the grittiness of New York and what it requires of us as actors to really hustle and be on the ground and, you know, wake up at five in the morning and get into that audition room. We see each other at auditions. We know what everyone is doing and we want to support each other um, because we are, we're all in it, you know, we're all doing the same thing together. And um, yeah, I, I have found that once I started working, the love that I've gotten, you know, getting called to do this project or a friend of mine who's producing a project and wants me to hop on um, as a co-producer for this or, um, what have you, it, it has really just opened so many doors for me. That's fantastic. Now, Neil, did you originally plan on this being a 501c3? You thought it was going to be a one-off thing? Talk about how it actually turned into a company. That's got to be kind of amazing. you got to be very proud of that. Oh, you know, even to this day, it's, it's incredible for me to, to look back because, um, you know, again, too, we just thought it would be one one-time thing and then it went from there being a two-time thing and once it got to kind of like the three-time thing we looked in and um, you know I researched and Fractured Atlas is a great starting point so it helps non-for-profits out and really um, takes you under its swing and we did that for a while but then we realized that because you're really a non-for-profit under them it makes it very hard to have donations and to keep track of everything so um, right. You know, we were, I was very fortunate to really just, again, too, I had no clue how to do it, and I really wasn't getting the answers I needed, and I just went online, and I happened to just email a bunch of different people who friends suggested, and uh, this great guy by the name of Jeff Cohen, so 
shout out Jeff. Now he has to listen because I, you know, I give him the shout out. But um, <laughs> he was amazing. And, you know, he he really was like, I've done this before. This is how you do it, and really uh, walked me through it. And again, too, it it for us, it's just so important. I think again, too, especially when there's so many great causes out there, we want to make sure that people know that we're legitimate and that uh, you know that we're here to stay again that you know that we plan to keep doing this and over time I hope to again to expand and we'd love to do more workshops and go into schools and do some different types of things with kids of different ages and educate so you know uh, we're hoping that uh, time we can make this even bigger and better and each year there's always a different component that we've added and again too we try to strengthen what we have and kind of work out the kinks and make it the best it can be. That is amazing. I love that. We actually have a, a, a question in the chat room. I'm going to bring Chris on here um, for a second, and we'll let Chris answer this question for us. Chris, uh, what question do we have in the chat room today? Yeah, we have Rachel from Boardman. She just asked, how did coming out affect your relationship with your family? With our uh, friends? Yeah, friends, family. I guess. Yeah. Um, well, well fortunately for me, um, you know, I think for any family, it's a hard transition to make. And um, fortunately, I have very loving parents who um, accepted it, whether they didn't really understand it as much at the time. And, uh, you know, just the backstory too. My parents were a little older when they adopted me. My mom is very religious. So it was a different type of, um, I guess, experience than she was expecting. I think also one of the things that um, happened is uh, with Tyler Clemente's family, his parents were religious, and, um, and they still are. And they have actually written some great articles about um, the church and being gay and how to embrace uh, who you are, and I think things like that have helped definitely. And again, too, I think that many people, no matter what it is, are afraid of what they don't know or what they don't think they know. And again, I think educating people is just one of the key ways to do it. And I think also, I was very lucky. I went to a liberal arts school in the middle of New York, so um, you know, I had the world there you know as Dimitri said you had different cultures you learn from different people you learn from different um, orientations and genders so um, for me I thankfully was in a spot where I was always supported and um, because of that again I kind of look at it as a gift and so I always reflect that um, I was very lucky to have that happen and not everybody is like that so I do want to make sure that when we um, do our shows again, that we kind of have represented on our stage different people from different occupations and orientations and genders. And, you know, again, too, we hope that people who are out in wherever they are can see this and identify and feel our support and know that maybe, uh, particularly at this time, maybe they can't speak out, but we can be their voice. Nice. And to meet you with your more religious family, how was that experience? What was that like? Yeah. Um, the first coming out was very difficult. 
for my family and for a lot of my friends. Um, it it was just, it was very traumatic. I'm not, I not without going into details. Then it's been it's been about a decade since since my coming out experience, my first coming out experience, and um, it's going piggybacking off of what Neil said. It's been a, a kind of a gift for me too because as little as my parents and my family and some of my friends understood, I was able to help educate. Um, I'm thankful that when I was in high school, I wasn't someone who was constantly, um, oh, I, I was someone who was very involved. So I was in a lot of clubs. I was really well known at school. So it kind of rocked my community in a way for them when I came out. So I used that as an opportunity to allow people to see that I was the same person. I could still be all of these things that people saw me as and be open as a gay person. And it, it allowed me to really help educate um, my family, a lot of my friends. Um, but it wasn't until my second coming out experience, I, I came out at the end of last year um, publicly as HIV positive. And it honestly wasn't until then that I saw a real shift in my family. Um, my parents and I talk more than we've ever spoken since I came out before college. Um, you know, my dad will ask me, you know, how, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Are you taking your medication? And they're just very um, attentive and um, are more willing to want to know about the things that are going on in my life and are there for me in a way that I haven't seen in a long time. And getting that opportunity to come out again in that way and now being an advocate for people who are living with HIV, I am getting messages from people all over the world every single day. And then I'll even have friends come, come to me and say, you know, I didn't know any of, any of what, you know, uh, HIV was about. And thanks to you, I am being more educated um, around what living with HIV is actually like and getting to educate people on an even deeper level. Um, now living in a time where it's not a death sentence and we can always remember and acknowledge and be so thankful for those who came before us and fought before us in my community, but now look ahead to the future um, and be an advocate in that way too. And so I'm just really fortunate that I've been given these gifts, like Neil said, to help educate others and be a platform for those who either are too guilty for whatever reason to come out, who feel shame for whatever reason to come out, and to see people who look like them who are thriving and happy and open and proud. Um, I'm just really thankful that I have that opportunity to be that for other people. Fantastic. Rachel, thank you for that great question. We appreciate it. Guys, I can't believe that we're, time is going so fast, and we got to talk about the show. So uh, Josh is online. He's going to give us a couple extra five or six minutes here. Neil, I want you to talk about this year's show Give me the date, the information, and do you have any guests lined up yet? Sure. So it is Monday, June 24th, 2019 at 7.30 in the city. It is at the JCC in the city off of Amsterdam. Please, everyone, come. It's for families. It's for grown-ups. There's always, again, to something different. This year, because it is World Pride and because it is the 50th year of the Stonewall Riots, we are doing a retrospective of the past 50 years of Pride. So um, we do have some names that um, hopefully will be released soon. We're just 
trying to finalize a few things, but of course mm-hmm. we will have our amazing Broadway performers from all different shows. Um, and then we'll have our celebrities and activists. And this year uh, is a little bit different because of the theme. So we are really going to start right at the riots and go right up until 2019 in terms of, you know, different events that have happened, different songs that people relate to, different stories that have shaped um, who we are. And as Dimitri said, you know, you always want to look back at those people that have paved the way and fought and really did an enormous job to get us where we are. And this is kind of our way of thanking everybody. And it'll be a great show. There's a, we have our band. Again, we'll have our amazing singers and our storytellers. And it's always just uh, an amazing night. And, you know, you can always find information on us at um, broadwaysingsforpride.com at our hopefully newly designed website soon. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> you can find us on social media. Put a little at pressure Broadway on me all of a sudden. Pride. I got to build something fast now. Look out. <laughs> I know. Like, get on it. Okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, yeah, it'll be, um, you can find us on Facebook, on Broadway Sings or Pride, and same thing with Instagram. And like I said, you know, each year we try to do something a little different. And this year also um, what we'll be doing again is live streaming. And this year we're, it'll be multi-cam, so two different cameras, and it'll be in 4K. So, uh, you know, you'll have these beautiful resolutions. So if you are somebody that can't make it down to New York City, uh, what we plan to do again is live stream it so that way people and all over the world can watch us and, uh, you know, kind of, again, enjoy and educate at the same time. That is amazing. New York is going to be nutso in June with World Pride oh my and God. Stonewall and I know, it's going regular to be crazy. Pride Month. Um, I'm ready. You guys have to I'm, be able to walk around there. Week. It's going to be crazy time. I'm so excited for you guys. So I really amazing. need to book you guys each individual. You have such fantastic stories. Dimitri, go ahead and tell them where they can find you on social media or any of your websites for the things you're working. We didn't get to talk about your production company or anything, but let them know where they can I find know. you. Sure. So you can find me most predominantly on Instagram. I'm Dimitri Moe Official. Um, on Facebook, Dimitri Joseph Moe. And then my website is DimitriJosephMoise.com. You so yeah. lied on me. You said my moist was fine. You're Moise. You lied on me. Oh, I can't listen, believe you. Listen. You were nice. No, tomato, were tomato, really moist, nice. Moise. Exactly. You know. Exactly. It's a regional uh, thing. And Neil, it's, it's, it's a dialect. A new and improved website in one week and uh, all your social <laughs> media. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, yeah. Um, Thank you so much. And again, we are so excited about, uh, well, I'm so excited about finally coming on here, which is a dream. And then again, too, we're excited to have our ninth show. And again, I can't believe it. And, uh, you know, we'll keep you updated on some of our famous friends that will be joining us for the night. Fantastic. Yeah, thank I have a feeling so we're much best for having down the line, guys. We're going to have you both on very soon. Thanks for being on the Left of Straight show today, guys. That was fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Yes. It was an All honor. Right. Stay on the line for me. Guys, we're going to play out here with uh, little Matt Stern again. This is Keeps Me Awake. When we come back, we're going to have my good buddy and friend of the show, Josh Orozco, who has a fantastic new single out. 
You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on Left of Straight Radio Network. guys and gals we are back 
My next guest today has been a great friend of the show, and I'm always happy to have a chance to talk with him on air. He came to my attention, I think, when I first started three and a half years ago as a fitness model with some amazing photographs uh, taken by our friend that we'll talk about in a bit. And he has since become an amazing friend on social media. He has a pure passion for music as a student and now as a producer and performer himself. I'm so happy and proud for him. He debuted his first piece of work last week called Shadyland, and he's back today to talk all about that journey and more. Please welcome my friend, Mr. Josh Orozco. Josh, how you doing, buddy? Hi, Scott. Good. How are you? I am doing amazing. We talk all the time online, but it's so happy to have you back on the radio. How's things in beautiful downtown Orange County today? Oh, it's actually really pretty. It's sunny out. It's a really nice day. Nice. I like it. We had a little bit of hail earlier today in the middle of April, which I'm not happy about, but it's warm, so we're good. (laughs) It's all good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to the big road trip where we're going to have 90 to 95 degrees down in Palm Springs, and you're going to come join us for a day, I think, right? Yes, I am. I am planning on it. That's going to be a lot of fun. I am excited. It'll be fun to hang out. Uh, I love Palm Springs. It's amazing. It's not too far from you. You're in the uh, Anaheim area, right? It's not too yeah. far of a drive yeah. from that. No, not at all. Very, very cool. Well, we've had you on the show a couple times, so uh, let's uh, give readers, uh, the re- listeners just a quick Reader's Digest history of yourself. Tell me about your entire life story in the next two minutes or so. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, when I was a kid, I was started acting and singing at a very young age and, you know, went through all of my early years doing plays and things like that in school. Uh, it wasn't until about high school that I kind of stopped all the art for a while and I had to go out and kind of learn about myself. So I took about, you know, seven years or so off. And then it wasn't until a few years ago when I first met you about that time that I started doing some modeling on uh, social, you know, on Instagram. And then I ended up getting in DNA magazine, which was really uh, great at that time. I think that was about a year and a half ago. And um, ever since then, I've been creating here at home. I've uh, just decided to dive straight into the music because it was really hard for me to find anybody else who could help me. So I had to kind of learn it all on my own. So uh, now I've reached this point where I am producing my own music and videos it is an amazing piece of work. We're going to go into all of that in a little bit here uh, because it really is. I mean, your debut effort, you put a lot of your heart and soul into it, and it shows in every frame of the video and on the tracks. Let's go back a little bit, though. I want to go some other stuff before the music. Talk about uh-huh. fitness modeling. I mean, we've had talk, Townsend has his new Instagram page up, which is amazing. But talk about yes. that whole aspect and – the DNA thing, what kind of exposure was that? And was it, what was it? That was, was that it, your first taste kind of in front of an audience, not opposed to singing or acting or anything like that? Yeah, it was the first thing that was kind of out in front of an audience. Uh, with James Townsend. And I also have another uh, James who's in my life as a photographer. And we'd started uh, submitting shoots and then it uh, ended up skyrocketing one year. It was the most clicked on post for the entire year for DNA. So uh, that was kind of a shocker to me. I got a, a call one New Year, and he told the guy from DNA told me, and I was like, "What? This can't be." 
But, that um, is cool. Yeah. Very that's nice. That's and awesome. I still plan on doing some more of that too, you know, because I still love getting in front of the camera and just expressing myself. So I plan to do a lot more of that too. Yeah, that was my next question. It's like, is it still fun for you to do or is it just side work now? Um, what, what do you feel about that aspect of your life right now? Uh, right now, I am more focused on the music, but I'm definitely not opposed to shooting. You know, I have a couple that I'm going to be shooting with up in the next few months or so. So there will be new material coming out, but I just want to uh, be sure that I have the, you know, all the inspiration for it. What is it? I mean, you have this fitness routine. Obviously, you have you have a fantastic body, which people can see in that. But what is when you're doing the music? Do you kind of is it is it become a lifestyle for you now? Obviously, or is it something oh, yeah. you can kind of cheat on for a while? <laughs> oh, it's it's become a lifestyle. I mean, it gets to the point where I'm sometimes on the computer for hours and hours, and then sometimes I start shirking and you know, the gym aspect of my life, I'm like, okay, I need to sort out my time. I need to go to the gym and then I need to not touch the computer until I go to the gym because it'll take over like my entire day. Get so lost in it. I was wondering, you're a very spiritual person as well. And you're all, all about balance and things like that. Talk about how balance has been in your life and how important that is to you. Uh, balance is very important because I, you know, I struggle with anxiety just on a daily basis and stuff. So I'm definitely always trying to keep my vibration high, keep myself in a good, harmonious state of mind. I don't like to, you know, get too in my head about things. I'm trying to focus more on just what the next step is going to be rather than the outcome. So that way I just keep on trolling ahead, you know? Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Now I I have to talk about, because like I said, I am, a social media stalker and a friend on there. We have to talk about your fish tank. I'm in love with your fish oh, yeah. tank. Um, I am. Let's spend a little time <laughs> on that. Talk about, I want to know the how, the what, the how big it is, and this journey on the fish. I, I think it's the most, I love fish. I think it's the most zen thing I've ever had when I've owned fish. Talk about this experience for you. Well, my friend who was from, uh, back from Yellowstone, she came back for about six months, and she was able to help me get a really nice tank uh, at a good price for me. And I thought, you know what, why not? Because you know, I love my, you know, the connection to nature and all. So I was thinking this would be a great therapeutic way of starting a little ecosystem in my room. So um, it is a 30-gallon tank. It's salt water, and I am completely in love with it. I mean, I spend every day gazing into it at some point. now what was the difference what what was the decision to make it a saltwater tank versus a freshwater was it the type of fish things you can incorporate into it or what made your decision to go saltwater well i have a friend who has a bunch of saltwater tanks at his place so i've seen them and i've seen how cool they are you know because you buy the sand and the sand is alive you can get coral and it's like your whole tank is alive and it works together so i thought that that was the main thing that drew me towards that because I had done freshwater as a child, you know, countless times and it's just, you know, the gravel and the fake plants and stuff, but everything in my tank is alive and real. So I think that's, that's the best part about it. That is fantastic. Is that your nightlight at night? You keep it on all night long or do you have to turn it off? Oh, I got to turn it off. Got to give them some, some, uh, darkness. (laughs) 
<laughs> imitating the sun. <laughs> give them a little alone time. You got to give the fish a little alone time there to stare at all day. Yeah. And I, I love, <laughs> I love a good fish tank. I had one for so many years. I have it now in like the past ten or so. But I just think it's one of the most zen things you could ever do is just watch, the, watch the fish get the bubbles that come up from the little guy in it. And that's amazing. Yeah, I love that. You take some amazing yeah. pictures. What's your favorite um, procurement for it so far? What's your favorite fish friend? My favorite fish friend, I have a goby, and I named him Rupert. And he nice. goes around the bottom and he sits in the sand, and he cleans the sand all around the tank. So he's definitely my favorite. And he's really cute. At nighttime, he even kind of opens his mouth like he's yawning. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It cracks me up. Awesome. <laughs> 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 I want to go into something serious for a second for the music. You opened yourself up a lot this year and talked yeah. about your HIV status. That had to be yeah. um, a big experience for you. What brought you to that decision and how has it been since then? I, I thought that was an amazing story that you, you shared. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was a complete shock for me. It was a, you know, a crazy time of my life. But as soon as it happened, I had already, you know, known I was going to take some time to myself. I was going to heal from, you know, what I needed to do. And then I was going to come out because I feel, you know, everything happened in divine timing. So I felt that I was, you know, I'm meant to handle this. So I need to do something with it. And my thought was, you know, it's still pretty hush hush when you're out and you don't hear many people talking about it. Uh, so I kind of thought, you know, if I could get out there and just let my voice be heard, maybe there's people on my friends list that have it and they'll message me. And sure enough, as you know, as soon as I did that, I received messages and it was great. Like all the support that I got, I didn't get, you know, one bad thing. It was just all positive and it was great. And, um, and another thing too, is I just figured, you know, it, it takes a pressure off of me because I don't like to be, you know, hiding anything from anybody. So it was, uh, right. it was just great in all aspects, you know, and it's been so good since then. Well, I, I love that you did it. I thought it was, it was, it, I hate to say brave because it, it's had such a stigma attached to it, which it really shouldn't have. Um, yeah. it, it's just, it's something that was a terminal disease at one point, which is now a chronic disease. Talk about how you found out. Were you expecting it? Were you going just for a regular test? I mean, I go twice a year like clockwork. Um, just how did how did the diagnosis come about? It was I was feeling a little bit sick actually. It, it was interesting. Like at the time, I was having my tonsils taken out and stuff because I was having lots of issues with my throat. Um, okay. So I had ended up having the tonsils taken out, and at that time, you know, they test for all that stuff before surgery, but nobody ever said anything to me. So I had had my tonsils removed. I healed fine from the tonsillectomy, which was you know ten days of torture. I mean, it was bad but once it healed it was I remember that I remember wishing you ice cream from afar (laughs) yeah so then I um then that was when I found out because I was still feeling weird after that and I was like okay something isn't right I wasn't feeling myself my body was feeling you know a bit achy and fluey and my throat was killing me my lymph nodes so then I you know I told my mom I said I need to go to the doctor so I went I got tested for all kinds of stuff and then they, you know, called me back and they said that we need you to come to the office because we need to share results with you. And then I almost instantly knew I just had this feeling. 
So I asked my mom if she would come with me, and she took off work and came with me, and we found out. And that was it. It's, yeah, it's so. I have a very good friend who's actually, I mean, he's a lot older. He's like sixty-five years old, sixty-three years old, and mm-hmm. he found out he was HIV positive just the same way. He wasn't feeling good. He had no, no real inkling at all that's what it would be at sixty-three years old, and was totally shocked by it. And it's just, yeah. it was the same thing. It just, he wasn't feeling quite right. Um, yeah. But again, like you said, once he's come out, it was very, he needed to process it to himself for a while and mm-hmm. kind of with his friends and family around. But then he said it was the most freeing thing he ever did was to talk about it. Um, what kind of response did you get? I got so many good ones. I got lots of messages. And like I told you, you know, there were lots of people who came to me and then they told me their story um, since then. So it's been, you know, it's brought everybody together, kind of like what I wanted to do. I wanted it to bring, you know, more people closer to me who maybe needed to talk about that too. And that was just the most freeing feeling ever, you know. That is fantastic. I love it. And thank you so much for sharing that story because it's, it's, it's still tough for people to talk about, but it's something that should not be shamed. There should not be stigma attached to it. Yeah, and exactly. like I said, it's, it's gone from a terminal disease to a chronic disease where it's very easy to live with. Um, thank God you've always been a very fit person and you don't even have to be a fit person. There's a lot of things to do, but that helps I'm sure uh, a lot. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just very proud of you for taking this journey with everybody and, helping other people along the way, Josh. So thank you so much for sharing oh, that. Yeah, of course, Scott. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the fun stuff and talk about the music. We're going to go ahead and play the song first, and I want to talk about all this fantastic new career for you here. This is Shada. And talk about how long this took to come to fruition. When did you very first have the idea for Shadyland? I wrote the song about a year and a half ago. And since then, it has slowly evolved. You know, I got on the computer, started creating the beat, and it evolved over the course of, like, months and months and months, many YouTube tutorials and all this stuff later. But then it was actually, I actually got it finished. So, Fantastic. (laughs) Guys, I'm excited to announce the debut on my Left with Straight Ridge. I was so excited to see you in my playlist on here because in my studio I have my playlist of all my artists in here. And just to see your yeah. name in here made me excited, Josh. I got to tell you, it was exciting to see you in here. But uh, oh, this is uh, Josh Orozco with Shadyland. We're going to play and be back on the other side. We're talking to the singer, songwriter, the video producer, the entire nine yards here. We'll be back in just a couple of seconds on the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. There's a land far away, it's a constant show Where hearts melt so hot, burning in the snow Some people get a one-way ticket And some are passing through to visit Either way, in this place, you'll run your own. He says yes, he means no, starring in his show. So hot, so cold, as the bullshit flows. Prove you're a ghost within a minute. 
And now I'm sitting here so ignorant You handed me my ticket Now I'm headed back home It's a land Yeah, it's a crazy land Where people get destroyed So wrecked from being toyed Oh, he's the man A handsome angel man He knew just where to aim And now I'm stuck inside his game In shame Fantastic. Now talk about 
you talked a little bit that you've always had a background in like theater and things like that and song and you decided to go to this. Um, how do you self-teach yourself music? And you're actually going to classes now somewhere, aren't you? You're taking classes now, but talk about your self-teaching um, for music. Oh, man. Well, it required just me sitting on this program and kind of starting to make beats for a while. And I started just, you know, trying to create my own little things, started trying to learn because there's all this, there's the science to it. You know, there's like high end and there's low end and you got to be careful that certain things aren't canceling out other things. And then you want your voice to stick through. So it's just a lot of technical stuff that I didn't realize going into it, but I, you know, just began getting kind of obsessed with it and just watching all these videos and learning little tricks. And it's just, it's been awesome. You know, very, very enlightening. <laughs> I hand it to I the guys who that. do this all the time. <laughs> I know, man. Crazy, huh? It's, it's a lot of work, but talk about, um, you're creating a lot of, artists they have different ways to do it some start with the beats and with the the sound some start with the lyrics um Mm -hmm. your songwriting that you've been doing is it kind of a mix of two do you find yourself starting more with the music more with the lyrics how's your process been working for you it is actually a mix because there's some stuff that i'm working on right now that was a beat before the lyrics but shady land was actually lyrics before the beat that was the one that I just, I, it came to me one night, the first verse, and I was just laying in my bed, so I just recorded the melody with my phone, and then I just wrote the lyrics down, and that was the start of that one. <laughs> so it kind of just depends on what you're feeling, or, you know, sometimes it's the musical sounds, or, you know, the, the key that gets you the words, or sometimes it's the words that get you the melody, so it's crazy. You just never know and where you're going to Where did the song up. come from? Did the song come to, you said it just came to you to come like, um, what was the origin of the song? Talk about the meaning of the song to you and the origin of the song. Uh, it was just, the origin about that just came from a place of just feeling very torn down, dealing with a lot of people who were lying to me and who were just, you know, telling you certain things to get what they wanted out of you. And it was just, I started to realize there's a lot of, shady people that I'm attracting right now so it's just kind of you know it just came to me and I was like oh my goodness I have this idea for shady land so I just ran with it <laughs> that's cool I I think all the, all the best art comes out of either heartbreak or joy so uh, it, it's one way or the other usually for artists so I can understand that especially um, when you have all these feelings, because you're such a deep feeling person, like I said, you're very spiritual. I love the things you post online. Um, it's got to be a lot of a very cathartic to get these stuff out, either through music or through the words. How is that process yeah. for you? Does it really help that emotional breakthrough? Oh, yeah. It Sometimes it doesn't help right away, but throughout the process of creating the music or video, you know, it just you end up just healing and you don't even really know you did (laughs) from the situation. (laughs) You're kind of like, wow. Like I feel like, you know, creators just naturally by nature. So I feel like it's important to always create and to express through it because I feel like that's where a lot of the power comes. And talk about the idea for a video. I mean, that's pretty ambitious to release both a video and the single at the same time. What made you Mm -hmm. want to take on that extra hat as a videographer and producer and talk about the training that went into that. Well, I had been making 
you know, small films and editing since I was about 14. That was when I first got into that. So I'd been doing it for a long time, but it had been so long that I was thinking I need to put out a video and this would be the perfect chance to do it because a lot of my stuff, you know, like I've, I've told you with my pictures and my photography is I'm kind of trying to get, you know, points across through my photography or through whatever it may be. So I felt that the song needed some visual aspect to it and needed that kind of emotion added to it. So that's that was my whole process for uh, for doing that. And talk about you had a great collaborative team with you. You had uh, someone help work the camera. You had lighting. Talk about working yes. with a team like that, the team aspect. Oh, it was great because I got to work with two of my best friends. I had my friend Tom holding the lights and my friend Sarah. Uh, she went to high school with me. She was doing all the camera work. So uh, we just, you know, we had a couple drinks and we just were like, let's start filming this video. <laughs> and we got it done. <laughs> How long it did it take blast. to shoot? I mean, it's a long form video. You got a, a four-minute yeah. four song there and it's a long form video. Talk about how long did it take for you to do that? How many takes did it take? Oh, we did a lot, a lot of takes. I actually, the scenes, you know, with the bathtub, I was actually scraped up on my knees that day because <laughs> I had been <laughs> on my knees in the bathtub, you know, shooting those uh, bathtub scenes. So I was like, Ugh. but um, it was great. It was, it was such a fun experience. I couldn't have, you know, had anybody better to work with. I got to work with people who I'm super close to and it was just great. Nice. And what is your thoughts on the music industry? I've talked to a lot of artists and it's such a, a double-edged sword because an album is a great way to tell a story and to have a progression of songs. But it seems like the music industry today is so much geared towards streaming and Spotify and Amazon. And you always have to have the next best thing every three or four months. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on music and how do you think you're going to approach it? Uh, I think I'm just going to first and foremost, just stay true to myself and true to my heart and kind of let the other stuff come second, because that's the most important thing for me. But, you know, it is definitely more difficult for artists now, you know, with the streaming services and all that. I'm just, I'm glad I'm on them now. And my whole, you know, purpose for putting it on there was more to just share that was, you know, where my intentions were. I just wanted to get this out to share it. So, um, yeah, I, there are artists right now that are doing good things for the music industry. Like, I know that Taylor Swift has done some great things. Um, so we have people who are sticking up for the musicians. and Because they all realize, you know, it's a lot harder now to do it with the streaming. Because the streaming, you know, isn't the best pay right. unless you're getting, you know, over millions of streams. Yeah, I think someone was saying the other day they're getting, like, uh one sixteenth of a cent for every stream it does or something like that. So unless you're oh, yeah. it's, doing it's just beyond the million streams <laughs> or something, it's very tough. It's low. That's crazy. Yeah. Um talk about your sound and are you are you thinking on bringing it live? What kind of distribution are you gonna do? Are you thinking about bringing live performances down the line or is this pretty much a solo thing for you creation wise? You just want to share with people? What are your thoughts on your career that way? You know, right now, it's just kind of something that I'm putting out there. I would love to eventually perform, though. I mean, that would be a dream come true. Uh, That's kind of the ultimate goal, you know, is I wanted to throw this out there because I feel like, you know, put yourself out there, show art, 
you'll attract more artists, more people, and then it'll kind of steer me in the right direction that my life is supposed to go. Because I know I need to be around creative people. I just haven't really quite found my exact niche yet, but I feel that I'm on my way there, which is a good feeling. I bet. I love that. And what's the reaction been? Who have you heard from? What have you heard from since the release last week? Oh, lots of good stuff. Lots of good comments. Um, I've had a couple little trolls come on and try to piss me off, but I'm like, you know, it's all just a reflection (laughs) Of of them. And they, you know, once you realize that, that when people are saying negative things about you, especially people that don't even know you, you realize it's just a reflection on them. And then it makes you, you know, you kind of have to feel bad and wonder what their struggle is because they're going through something. Exactly. Exactly. That's such a great way to look at it too, because it is, I mean, people that I haven't had to deal with a lot of them, but three and a half years of this, there's people that either don't want you to succeed or they're jealous. They want to succeed more. And it's usually their issue. It's not your issue whatsoever. And once you give that oh, up yeah. and know that it's not about you, it makes it so much easier to deal with, but it's a hard yeah. place to be, especially when you get, if you're getting a lot of it, I've been lucky not for that to happen, but that's where cyberbullying gets so tough and people don't understand this about that person and not them, yeah. but there's just so much of it these days. It's really tough. Yeah. Now you talked about Taylor Swift. Who are your musical influences? Who do you listen Who's on your playlist right now and your top three in your playlist and who would be a dream collaboration for you? Oh, well, I'd love to collaborate with Taylor Swift. She's one of my favorites, but I also love, um, Ariana Grande, I love Eminem. They're they're three that are in my playlist right now, <laughs> and I would love to Those work with any ones. one of them. <laughs> it's funny because I thought of that when you talk about Eminem, and you have the whole Shady Land title and your cover album type look for it. You have a little Marshall Mathers look going to you there. So it's very kind of <laughs> illuminative. I thought, well, this is kind of fun. I'm liking this, actually. It's very, very cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I thought so, too. <laughs> it's a little so shady. So where are you at right now? Talk <laughs> about what's happening for you in your songwriting. Um, what's your next project? Well, I'm actually working on a project with a friend of mine who also makes music. So we're planning to do a few songs together and uh, we may actually be going to a studio to record together, which would be great. And um, so I'm trying to just, you know, I'm writing right now. I'm focusing on writing. I'm not in the vocal class right now. I'm taking about two months off time to write time to start uh, feeling the emotion again. And uh, then I feel like once I get back to class, you know, come beginning of July, I'll be back with some new songs and my vocal coach is amazing. She, uh, has so many ideas and she works on my pieces with me and shows me things I can do to add, you know, more to it. So um, right now I'm really just, I wanted to get the, you know, the song out. And then now I just want to reflect on it a little bit and do more writing and then start, you know, start my EP. I'd like to do about five, six songs and release an EP. Nice. That would be fantastic. That is so great. I am so proud of you, my friend. Congratulations on all this hard work really paying off. I mean, we've been talking for the last year and a half, and this has been coming together, and I'm so excited to see this. Um, Just wish you all the best of luck, my friend. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. (laughs) I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Well, I'm looking forward to talking more and 
maybe we can we can debut it in Palm Springs and play it for the guests there. Talk about where people can find you, where they can find the song, um, and where they can find you on social media. Okay. Well, on social media, the best one would be Instagram, and my username is Josh underscore Orozco underscore. And that's O-R-O-Z-C-O. And uh, also I started a Facebook music page. So it's facebook.com forward slash Joshua Rosco Music. Uh, my website is joshuarosco.net, but it's actually still a little bit in the works. It's under construction a little bit still. And uh, the song's available on Spotify, Apple Music. You can search for Shady Land uh, and my name. It's also available for purchase on iTunes, and the music video is up on my Vivo on YouTube. you got to check out this music video, guys. It's very good. The song is a great song, such a great debut performance. Josh Orozco, thank you very much for being on the Left of Straight show today, my friend. Oh, thank you, Scott. It was great. Stay on the line for me, guys. We're going to be back just a little bit to wrap things up. We're going to play out a little bit of Joseph, excuse me, Justin Mortinelli with The Fall. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network.
All righty, we are back. Guys, I want to thank my guests so much today. had such a fun show. Uh, from Broadway Sings for Pride, we had founder Neil Bennington on, and he brought his special guest, Dimitri Moyes. So it's great to talk to them. They have a great event coming up in June. Look that up. Check my website. I'll have a link on there for you. And then my buddy Josh Orozco, check out his new single, Shady Land. Had a great time today, guys. Thanks. Our chat room was a little wonky today, but Jordan and Chris, thanks for being part of the show today and manning the chat room. We had one chat go through at least. That was cool. No problem. Yeah, we'll get there next time. We'll figure it out. There you go. We'll have it done. Next Tuesday with uh, Chris and Jordan, we're going to have the from Glee who played Tina and Artie. We're going to have the fantastic Kevin McHale and Jenna Ushkowitz on. And then my buddy Jay Knight from Buffalo is a singer-songwriter. He's going to be on. So we have a great show for you next Tuesday. We'll have the chat up there, and Chris and Jordan will be on that. I think I've got most everything I wanted to say today on the news. Uh, let me look over here real quick. Um, the other stuff we'll save till next week. But, guys, we appreciate you tuning in today. Thanks so much for being part of the Love Straight Show. Be sure to check us out on your favorite podcast distributors. You can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Just type in Left of Straight Show. Be sure to follow us on social media. I uh, do the Left of Straight, at Left of Straight on Twitter and Instagram. And Chris and Jordan are mining Left of Straight Radio on Instagram. And what is it, Straight Left Up on Twitter? It's really weird on Twitter. But just type in Left of Straight Radio and you'll find us there. But they're manning those for us. So we have all sorts of social media on Facebook. You can check us out, uh, the Left of Straight Radio page and the Left of Straight page on there. We're going to have some more great shows for you next week. Be sure to tune in the rest of the week for Standing on My Soapbox. Tomorrow we have Astro Kiki Radio and the Randy Report. On Saturday, of course. Voices for Change uh, 2.0. Jordan, anything exciting you need? You, anything you want to lead out with today? Anything that you have to say that's on your mind? That I have to say? I don't know. I'm really excited for next week. So I hope we get the chat figured out so everyone can come and ask questions. It'll be a gleek time had by all. Chris, any last words before <laughs> we head out? Um, today was a great show. A lot of great guests. And I'm looking forward to next week, definitely. It's going to be a big show. I as well, my friend. Well, guys, that does us right here for Left to Straight Radio for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out the podcast. Share it with your friends. Give us a little like or subscribe on there. Uh, Chris and Jordan are going to stay on the line with me. And we will play out one final time here. Let me pick a song, any old song. Casey Lansdale, it's got a little country. This is Living in the Moment, right here on the Left of Straight Show on Left of Straight Radio Network. Easy to get off track, easy to lose your way. In a world that makes you believe there's no time to waste. That you gotta have it all, better have it all, better not slow down. Looking ahead, got me looking in circles. 
Don't let it slip away Don't let them 